Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks so much as always, and thank you from our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Dedicated solely to uh, making sure you're not going to get screwed by the insurance companies. That's right. Now, they may not use that language, but I did. They'll document any actions of bad faith by the insurer, and uh, they'll protect your rights and hold the insurance company accountable. That's a good thing. They're not Morgan & Morgan. they got offices throughout the state of Florida. If you file a claim and you don't get back what you think you should, it's not over there. Call the Morgan Law Group. They'll go out and fight for you. Storms, hurricanes, roof damage, lightning, mold, fires, boats, sinkholes, you name it. Give a call today, 888-904-2524, or go to policyadvocate.com. On with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. Seminole Headlines, 979 ESPN Radio begins right now. Yes, right freaking now. There's Corey, there's Ira, I'm Jeff. We appreciate you joining us. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, next week, I'll sound better. We were just having this discussion off the air before we started. Uh, I had to reveal the ugly side of my uh, privilege, of my entitlement, of my stardom. And uh, in doing so, I slammed doors after last week's show because you can't have the driver the voice sounding as ugly as I did last week. And it's you, just not right. You sounded like, like, like we were the hosts and you were calling in from Albuquerque on like a ham radio. Well, and the thing about that is I like Albuquerque, especially this time of year, but I was here in Tallahassee. So I didn't even get the benefit of being <laughs> in Albuquerque while making that call. That's so maddening. So I think we're going to be better this week, even better the week after and we're going to be better because of lots of things. A, we're efforting to be better. And B, we have a new sponsor. And I'm excited. Registers Meats. Register Meat Company. Ira Moore, please. You organized it. They're on board. Let's go. Yeah, man. This is uh, this is awesome. This is big news. First of all, because they're going to pay us. I mean, that's that's one reason. But number two, because we're going to... Yeah. We're gonna bring what they do to the to the masses, to the headliners. Um, yeah, it's basically a sauce, mostly a sausage company. They're based in the Panhandle in Cottondale, Florida. Started 75 years ago. Um, uh, a guy named Ben Camper is now the general manager. He's a Tallahassee guy. Um, I've got to know him a little bit over the last few months. Really good guy, and he's a 
longtime headlines listener. And uh, he's trying to kind of modernize their operation and expand it. They're doing a lot of different things. They do a partnership with Tally Shack. They're, they're involved in a lot of things in the community they're trying to do. Um, and so they want to kind of spread the word. So they're coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, he is, um, you know, they've given me some samples, guys. I, at some point, I'll share the samples. But right now, right now, I'm, right now, right now, I've got the samples. And uh, I got to say, it's uh, some pretty, pretty good food over there at Registers Meat Company. I want to be able to see this. You, you shut up, Corey. Okay, sorry. Uh, I want to be able to really quickly just say that I like their motto. It's the time of year where we get into mottos. Uh, there is, is life is stressful, dinner shouldn't be. Ooh, there you go. Well, that is a and good one. That's a good motto. Now you can talk, Corey. I was just going to ask, uh, you know, I think Ira had the jalapeno cheddar. Some people, they, they'll eat their sausage and they don't like like little, they don't like the cheese inside it. But I love when there's the cheese is already inside the sausage. What, what do you guys take? Ira, you had it. You said it was really good. Um, but are you, have you always been a fan of cheddar inside sausages or was this your first time? No, no, I have before. So that was the first one I tried and I liked it, man, but I'm not going to lie. I tried the, uh, they actually have like a mild sausage, which is like kind of like a sausage dog you'd get at the ballpark or something like that. That's my favorite right now. Okay. Tried, Iris tried... Soft. Corey, we're going to have to be the judge of this because Iris Soft eating mild anything. Well, so yeah, that, yeah that, there but, we go. But they also have hot. They've got uh, a bunch of different things. Anyway, registersmeats.com is the, is the website. We'll talk more about them each week. They're going to be the the hour one sponsor to go with Dr. Birch and is the is the hour two sponsor. So we're glad to have them, and we'll be talking about them more and more each week. Registersmeats.com, and they're also available at really any local grocer. You know, the Publix is the WalMarts, all the stores around Tallahassee, the Panhandle, and I think uh, even they're branching out to other parts of Florida and the Southeast. Hey Corey, I like that you uh, get. I'm going to give you top billing here to start the show for now because you wrote a piece that ha I was thinking about. I was thinking about uh, over there on Warchant.com what my expectations were. You know, today was the day that I have my first of many speeches where people have me throughout the city to talk about an overview of the upcoming season. And mine was Sunrise Rotary this morning, up at uh, bright and early. Long well, before you wanted to wake up, Corey, yeah. um, and uh, made my way there, and, and we had a good time. And I got to thinking as I was talking to them about expectations. And on the one hand, I wanted to kind of, you know, mitigate expectations that were too high given the set of circumstances that this coaching staff has inherited limitations obviously, like no spring, COVID 19. These are things that are going to affect growth. But that said, I actually think because I like this coaching staff an awful lot and because I like this defense an awful lot, that every week they play, they're going to get better, they're going to look better, they're going to play smarter, they're going to be disciplined, they're going to give themselves a chance to win the 50-50 games. And you, in essence, kind of talked about that too in your piece, amongst other things. So, uh, yeah, let's start talking about expectations because we're really close to a season starting. So do Rotary Clubs do things at night? Oh, I'm I'm sure there's some, but most people are responsible. They want to get out in front of the day before they attack work, and you know, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not I'm not all that familiar with the Rotary clubs and the Kiwanis clubs and things like that. Obviously, nobody ever invites me to speak to those, so how yeah. would I know? But then I've also wondered every time you talk about speaking at something, it's always I think at five thirty in the morning. That's this <laughs> like, that's this one particular group. Some of them know, meet some so, of them meet for lunch. Yep. So okay. Yep, yep. But uh, yeah, I don't know many night meetings for those types of organizations. But uh, this one is uh, this is one, Jeff. I 
I'm not going to lie. At some point, Jeff, you got to give it up. No, you, no, you gotta, no, no. The 4.30 a.m. meeting. You is, don't want to uh, do it. You're not going to be there to fill my shoes. <laughs> and Corey sure as hell isn't going to be there. To yeah. Fill Who are you, Lieutenant Weinberg? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do it either. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm your guy. I'm on that wall. <laughs> hey, listen, I get up at 5-ish, 5.15 anyhow. It's not that big a deal. It's yeah, called, for you, it's not. You're right. That's it's crazy. It's called the Sunrise Rotary. So there we well, are. Let's do this. <laughs> it's got in the name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. What I wrote about, I you know, I wrote about like some things that I that I would use to judge a, a successful season. Obviously, I didn't even go into much detail, but wins would help. Uh, a lot of wins would help. Um, but the first thing I mentioned was something I wanted to get y'all's take on. How disappointing would it be if they were just a little, if they were just straight average in special teams, or like yeah. middle of the road, or like fiftieth in the country? Wouldn't that be not a great sign, considering? How much they preach? How much they preach it? And I'm not saying they are going to. Um, and conversely, what a great sign it would be if they're like top 20 special teams after hey, Corey, being so, so horrid. You were smart to in the column uh, when you mentioned special teams to immediately say keep reading because I envisioned a lot of people <laughs> going, "Okay, we're done here. This is right. what we're doing. This is my man's going to start with special teams. This is what we do." But you're right, given the unmitigated disaster that special teams have been now for years. Yeah. And th- this predates, uh, obviously, Willie's staff, which was an embarrassment uh, to to special teams everywhere, and that includes Pop Warner. Um, <laughs> I mean, but I, I'll be honest with you, Jimbo's last two years was an embarrassment to special teams everywhere. He continually put people back there that had no interest in catching the football what's, whatsoever and then basically pretended like he didn't see it when we would ask him about it, <clears throat> like it didn't happen. And... Um, it was it was astonishing. Uh, so yes, I'm with you on that, Ira. And well, in the in the it's two folded. One, it's two folded. It's two fold. Two folded. Two folded. It's two folded, folded twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. folded twice. It's, yeah. More importantly, uh, yeah, it's the fact that Florida State has been bad in that area. But number two, it to the point Corey was other point Corey was making is that they're they're they put so much of an emphasis on it. And so these players have been hearing about special teams since Mike Norvell arrived, since his coaching staff got here, every meeting, every practice. By the way, my dog is in the room and he's whining a little bit. So just, okay. just so everybody knows, that's yeah, what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't have to tell us. But uh, he, um, they made it such a priority and it's such an emphasis in practice. If, if, it doesn't, if that doesn't yield results, first of all, then why are we wasting all that time on it? And second of all, you know, that's an indication of if that's your big priority and you can't make any headway in that area, then it calls into question, you know, w- w- how much success you're going to have in other areas. So but, part of it's a, a decision on how much time you spend on something. But then also is, you know, you know, you have athletes at Florida State. Now, the one thing I would say, the one caveat in special teams, I'd say is, you know, Alex Mastromano, the punter from Australia. I mean, we're hearing great things about him. Um, if he has a shank here or there. I don't think that's a reflection necessarily on the, the staff or uh, the place kickers. Cause they didn't recruit either of these place kickers. So from that standpoint, in terms, but in terms of the coverage units, return units, all that. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Catching a damn punt, catching a punt. Yeah, that too. Getting somebody out there that will catch it. That'll make a difference. But yeah, I think conversely, it would be obviously a bad, a really bad sign if they're just a little bit better, not better at all because they were so bad last year. But if they're good, if they can get these players who have never obviously been coached special teams in their lives. I mean, last year, literally, they didn't have a special teams coach. 
these players have never had to take special teams seriously. If all of a sudden there's a buy-in when they're really good and they take pride in it, I think you can extrapolate that to the rest of the program moving forward. If you can get these players, these players, 18 and 20 in three years, never given two cents about special teams, all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden being good at it and taking pride in it. I think that's a really good sign. The head coach mentioned it in his opening speech to the fan base. Yeah. I mean, we were all there when he took the job and stood at the dais, and it was in his impassioned speech about what these players would and would not do. And they would reveal their discipline and their sacrifice through freaking special teams. That was the gist of the speech. So, yeah, if he fails there, we've got a real problem. But I will also say this. He won't. And and more importantly, we'll overreact even if they're average. We'll be so stunned to see anything that isn't bottom of the barrel ass sorry special teams that something that is middle of the road will seem exceptional. Now imagine if they are exceptional. We our minds will be blown. We won't yeah. even know what the hell we're looking at. It's insane. We've been covering this team the last 4 years and just ho hum another ball on the ground just Bounding down the field, pinning us deep again. That could have been caught at the 40. Oh, well. I mean, it's amazing. Wasn't there a game like two years ago, like Willie's first year, wasn't there a game where like they had two plays, like kind of there's one where like they let a kick just kind of roll? Syracuse like, game. Uh, well, never mind. There's, there's, you can pick up 20 different examples. Yeah. <laughs> but like it was like they didn't know the rules. Like, like the players didn't know some of the rules about like if you touch the ball on a punt, it's live. If you – if it's a kickoff, it's live. Um, you know, just pretty basic, basic things. And uh, so that would be nice. That would be a positive. And it's, you know, and the other one of the points Corey made in the column is, you know, we, we can laugh at the record in the last few years and, and question the talent, certainly at some positions, but they're 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 right there in some games. And this is the kind of thing that could be the difference. All right, what are you so going to do I, about your dog? Yeah, yeah, we're going to go to break before you ask that question. Seminole oh, okay. Headlines on 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Following up on that and continuing to talk about expectations, uh, I, I was, again, uh, in reference to talking with people this morning, I said, I, I don't think there's any doubt that one of the things you're going to be most excited about, and, and I think, you know, I always do this whenever I get into an argument with somebody or if I'm having a disagreement with my spouse, when I realize maybe we're not talking about the same thing, you got to clearly define your terms when you're debating. And I think that's true with this fan base and the conversation surrounding expectations. We have to define our terms. What, what is considered a good season? Coming off of 18 and 20 the last three years, coming off of no spring, coming off of, uh, you know, what they've had to do to get through COVID, uh, given the fact that they have an offensive line that at the very best is going to be well below average, uh, that the quarterback is uh, limited severely. I, what, what, what is a reasonable expectation for a record? What, what is, what's a good season? And we, I think we have fought to define this. I mean, I do think there are things you can mitigate, do to mitigate some of those weaknesses, but you can't overcome all of those things in a you know in a way that sees this team go on to win 10 11, you know 10 games i so what what's reasonable man a winning record is reasonable um i think 8 wins 
I, I think even if you go six and five, um, and we say this all the time, but it's how it looks, man. If you compete, um, they're not. You, they're probably not going to win every coin flip game, but they're also pro- you hope aren't going to blow like three twenty-one point leads. Um, I don't. You know, guys, I'm talking. Ira's looking down at something. I have no idea what Jeff is doing. Jeff is looking straight to the right. I I mean, I, I can't. What am I doing? I can't talk. Nobody's listening to me. Man, we're all listening to you. I'm turning to pull up the schedule on the computer to my right just to double check the order. You, um, can talk, you can't possibly be that insecure. Continue uh, your point. No, uh-uh. y'all keep y'all talk. It's like I'm just gonna look at my email. It's like it's like having like a seven year old around, like dad, dad, dad. dad I mean, dad, I, it's I'm hard listening. for me to think that anybody's interested in what I'm saying if the two dudes looking at me aren't look interested in what I'm saying. I, I'm, I, the computer that we're doing this on, I can't look stuff up on. So I have another. Here, here's proof. I have another computer with me, and occasionally I pull up things just to confirm my suspicions. I, I was. I was sending an email to one of our colleagues about an important work matter. Which right. is multitasking. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll continue because I don't go know ahead. Anything. Go ahead. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I, not going to pull a bunch of twenty-one point leads. Was Corey's point, and I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I I really don't. I just don't think, especially because of the schedule change. Um, you know, people hear six wins when Corey says six and five. I think people, you just equate it to a normal six and five. Well, this wouldn't be a normal six and five. They're only playing one non-conference game. Um, you know, they're, they're, 10 of your 11 games are going to be conference games. So that's got to change a little bit what you think is a successful season in terms of a number of wins. Uh, you know, some people want to hear eight and three or nine and two, and, and all that's possible. Um, but I think what's realistic is, you know, you just need to see. I think it's it's going to be an eyeball test kind of year. I mean, I think you're going to see. You, you're going to need to watch the games. If if people don't watch these games and then they come at the end of the season and be like six and five, huh? Thought you guys said Norvell was the real deal. I'm not listening to that. Watch the games. This is a year where everybody just needs to watch the games, see how it works, see how the, see see the decisions that are made in game, see how hard the players play. See whether or not the schemes seem to be sound, and whether or not there's adjustments that are made during the course of the games, and, or or do you go into a game and the other team uh, runs the same type of uh, offensive attack from first quarter to fourth quarter, and your defense never does anything to stop it? I mean, th- those are things you need to watch. To me, to get a picture, uh, this isn't the year where I, you can look at records because of all the things you mentioned. Not only. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, the schedule is different, but then also what happened in the spring and the summer, the quarantine, first year coaching staff, all of these things. To me, I just don't think a number is going to make any sense this year. I also think there's a greater degree of, um, and, and, okay, so if you're making projections on a win total or a, an evaluation of a coaching staff, man, I, the degree to which that can vary is probably the highest I can ever really remember it being in, in a long time going into a season. Like there's an outs. I guess what I'm saying is there's an outside chance that this team has been so poorly coached for three years in a row that having a good staff, a, 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 a competent staff that's on the same page that has the same vision that is messaging the same across the board that gets total buy-in and the most out of what they have, 
produces such a dramatically better record than we could ever have anticipated just because kids are living up to their potential and are put in positions to succeed that we're we're stunned by the end of the year total where they're eight and three and we're like oh man what a year one this group is on the verge of something really special it's also true that they can't overcome an offensive line that just isn't very good, and all indicators are through two scrimmages, they're bitterly disappointing up front, that they really can't block. And we already know James Blackman is average at best. They're also devastated by the injury at tight end. Ira, we talked about this and how high we were on that group because of what tight ends do, but now it's it's Wyatt Rector and Cam McDonald. That's it. No Jordan Wilson. He was going to be a good blocker, and they utilized the tight end. So what if they can't overcome all of those things and their offense is just so stagnant they lose a bunch of 24 to 17 type games or 21 17 type games? It still may not be an indicator that they're poorly coached. It's just that they got to raise the floor. Yeah, and I, I think when it comes to – we talked about this on Wake Up War Chant uh, today, actually, about comparing it maybe to the 09-010 seasons. And, you know, it didn't – you didn't have – as Jimbo Fisher liked to say, because there's no famous blind people left, you don't have to be – Steve. you didn't have to be Stevie Wonder um, mm-hmm. in 2010. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. Anyway, he you, you know the blind man analogy. Even That's what it was. Even Stevie Wonder could see in 2010 – and he it's is a, still alive. Stevie's still alive. Sure, but and, th- when he dies, who are we going to? There isn't he, one. And if you believe the internet, he might still have his vision. Yeah. So. According, according to Bomani Jones, yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, e- even Stevie Wonder could see that in 2010 that was a much better coach team. But what if they? What if Hopkins doesn't drill the field goal, uh, the 55-yarder, and they lose to Clemson? Well, I just looked it up. I don't okay. remember this game at all. But Burt Reed scored on a 42-yard run against Boston College. Oh, I remember it. Yeah, we had to run a reverse. To, to beat them 24-19. to 19. So what if that doesn't happen? And instead of 10 wins, you're 8-5 eight and si- eight and five that year, as opposed to 7-6 and six the year before. You couldn't look at those two records from 9 to 10 and say, man, he only improved them by one game. This thing's not – he didn't really turn this thing around at all. You could tell uh, – um, well, after the Oklahoma game – you could tell that it was a much, much better coach team, even though the record could have been very similar. I think it's something like that this year. I think you're going in with with two losses for sure with Clemson and Notre Dame. I just don't know the matchup with Notre Dame physically to be able to win that game. Clemson for sure. But, you know, you think about last year, man. If they uh, they had an awful defense, a, ter- a, a awful offensive line, in an offense that never worked in concert with the defense. It's like, we're going to go breakneck, even though we can't stop anyone. Mike Norvell, I think, will make some adjustments. So he he coaches um, towards it. You know, he coaches for his weaknesses. So as bad as they were on defense, as bad as they were on the offensive line, if, if James Blackman can hit Tamari and Terry running free down the sideline against Virginia, if they don't blow a 21-point lead against Boise, if they recover a fumble at the one instead of trying to pick it up and run with it, uh, Wake Forest, if they get one more first down, uh, there there were four games last year they could have won and probably should have won. Where I think they had fourth quarter leads and blew them all, and all of a sudden you're looking at last year's team, which was six and seven, being a nine win team. And you got to be happy they didn't win those games because in truth yeah. that team was terribly good exactly. and they would have not done anything. I want to continue pick up on this subject. It's a good one. Seminole headlines, ninety seven nine ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole headlines presented by Capital City Bank returns now on ninety seven nine ESPN Radio. Yeah, and on that note, you know, you think about how close they were to winning a bunch of games, and we have 
well-documented evidence that they were terribly coached. Moreover, there, there was no cohesion to speak of. Like one hand didn't know what the other hand was doing. One coach was in an argument with another coach. One coach wanted to run this scheme that wasn't suited for this group. The other coach wanted to run something different. Players at some point checked out, and yet all those opportunities were there that you just described. And, and Corey, in addition to the fact that if, if Blackman can hit some orientary streaking down the sideline for a touchdown – you got a lot of those, but how about you not give up a touchdown on three straight drives in the fourth quarter yeah. to that Virginia team? Yeah. There was just so many things wrong with that with with the whole thing a year ago. I do think that I guess the point would be there's enough talent there that almost on its own it nearly won you nine games. And the other point I wanted that I brought up in the column is like they when it started going to bat against Boise. That that team last year had like a personality disorder. If things got going, if things went against them, if they faced adversity at all, it was fetal position time. Well, they were weak. They were just weak. The, the, the team has been shallow. They have been uh, false bravado. Yeah. Uh, they love to but, talk and point fingers, and they weren't any good. But the point, but the problem I have with you saying that and what Corey said is that puts the onus on the players, but that all stems from the leadership, the coaching. Sure. Yeah, that's that's fine. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. The the point of though is that don't you think so last year, you know, they give up they, they just it was like what's gonna go wrong? And then they they did not fight at all against Clemson and Florida. Just none. They were they they shouldn't have even shown up. They did not want to be there. They didn't play like they were gonna be there. They were awful. Don't you think that the that uh this team will be mentally tougher to handle those things? Like I'm not expecting them to beat Clemson, but they don't have to get down forty two to nothing either. They don't have to be completely out of the game in the second quarter. Same thing with Florida. Like, just just show you're willing to compete and fight. That, to me, will be another really uh, uh, important sign in year one. Yeah, Ira, to your point about that comes from leadership or a lack thereof and a lack of discipline that is the fallout from that lack of leadership. But I would argue, and it will be interesting to see because it will be representative of a buy-in uh, and perhaps a, a, a mindset shift, right? You know, six, seven games into last year, regardless of leadership, which was awful, you don't have to be pointing at the other team's band down three touchdowns after an incomplete pass. You don't have to stand <laughs> over people after an 18-yard run and that you know a relatively hard hit that knocks them out of bounds. You don't have. Our guys continued to to embrace stupid in a way that was painful for the fan base to watch. And showed no self-awareness whatsoever. It was just this this false pride, this nonsense that they were clinging to. And that, again, stems from a lack of leadership. But take some pride in yourself, man. I hear oh. you, man. But let, let me let me put it to you this way. And I, and I bring up this comparison only because it's, it's usually you can see it more immediately than you can at a college level or the NFL level, obviously. Um, but we've all been around youth sports. And you'll see a team – that has talent, but you see them play and they're awful. You see that team every week or every, you know, every time you're at the park, you see that team, you're like, man, that team just doesn't know what they're doing. They're there. There's no discipline. The kids aren't paying attention. And then you'll see them individually make some plays. You're like, well, that kid's got talent or that, that those two kids, man, those two kids, if they were playing here, they would do something different. Then you see a new coach come in or, or the, those kids go on a different team, and it's like overnight they change differently. Now, obviously, it's different at the college level and the pro level because everything is is so high, it's so amplified to such a degree, and there's talent everywhere. 
But I really think that the leadership, it's hard to judge these guys based on the fact that they had no leadership. You had guys in the last two years fighting on the sideline, fighting with other players. The thing you talked about, uh, standing over a player, Dontavious Jackson trying to rip a kid's head off, and then it goes right back in the game. Yeah. Um, so so w- with a lack of leadership, what you get is kids don't know what – they don't know what they should be doing, so then they just – they as you said, the false bravado. They start doing things that they think will l- let people know that they're tough or that they're good, even if it's just – it's fake. So my – but the issue is I don't know how quickly at this level you can switch that. So – you know, I do think these guys buy in from everything we've heard. There, I think this has been a really difficult, uh, really they've they've been challenged. I thought last week when Mike Norvell, when I asked him about Leonard Warner and about the you know him buying into the program, I thought it was interesting the way he he really kind of clarified real quick. He's like, yeah, I asked him for six months, and he decided after two months that he wanted to stay. He's like, but those were two or three really tough months. He like le- letting us know. I didn't get them to buy in by handing out lollipops. Like I wasn't Mr. Happy Go Lucky, which was kind of the approach Willie Taggart took. I really pushed them. But but again, I think what we'll need to see is how how ingrained is is the lack of discipline from before and how quickly can that really change? I think it changes really quickly. If there's true buy-in, and where are seeing we are seeing signs, uh, certainly evidence that that's there. Players' comments like Leonard Warner's. I, I thought that was – it's a good point you bring up. He sounded like a guy that had aged 20 years mm-hmm. in, in three. Like he had seen the world through a new prism. Like he had suddenly – I'm not saying he wasn't in the past capable. I'm saying he just didn't do it and now seemed to have embraced it. And now seems to be a guy that you could look to for leadership. If you want to put that on the list of things I didn't think I'd see this year, that'd be pretty high up there, that that guy could be looked to as a rational – level-headed leader. And I think he's moving in that direction. He's trending in that direction because of buy-in, because of discipline, because he's had to earn it, right? Because it wasn't given by the new staff. That's very important. And I think that portends of a lot more of that permeating that locker room, permeating those segment groups. I I think that we are going to see that. Again, I think they'll lose games because they can't block. I think they'll lose games because James Blackman sucks. Hey, but hey, I hey! But I don't think hey. I don't we, think we, we let we let the average thing go by. You know that he's nowhere near average. We let that slide. We're not going to sit here and let you besmirch. Okay, James so Black. I like think that. I think th- I think they'll lose games for those. Just reasons. say he's limited. Uh, there okay. you go. That's a nice very, way. Very extremely limited. Yeah. I, I so. They'll lose games because he's extremely limited. They'll <laughs> lose games because their offensive line doesn't block for him. That's a terrible marriage. Bad offensive line, extremely limited quarterback, doesn't usually equal a bunch of wins. But they won't lose games because they're undisciplined, because they play stupid, because they don't believe in each other or are willing or not willing to sacrifice for each other. That's why they'll also grow every week. Well, that's and- what we're hoping for, right? That's how we judge yeah. the season. You're saying is that if it's a fact, we don't know it, we think it because well, of I, the I, way Norvell is. Oh, you do? Nice. Well, what is the record going to be? I don't know about the record. I already know the buy-in and that they're going to play smart and that they just won't be able to block certain people and James will lose them some games. It's pretty simple, guys. You don't have to overcomplicate the equation I, I feel like, uh, you know, the, the offensive line is going to crush you in three games. Notre Dame, Clemson, and Miami is going to be really, really hard. 
Other than that, quit telling me they can't win because the O-line. They should win every other game because they're better than the eight other teams they're playing. Pitt, but Pitt's offense is awful. Yeah, Pitt's offense is awful, and that's why that winner would be 6-3. to three. But I'm saying you could easily lose it because you can't move the ball. Yeah. So, uh, look, you can't Hey, just... by the way, wouldn't it be cool if they have a coaching staff that adjusts? Yeah, but, Corey, man, if your offensive line is terrible, and I'm, I'm with you, there are some things you can do. The quick game comes to mind, right? But at some point, you have to make somebody play you honest. And that means throwing the ball over their heads. And that takes time. And if they don't have to respect it, we know what happens. And, you know, there are brilliant coaches in the NFL. If their offensive line sucks, they can't just coach around it. They lose. That's what happens. They lose. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You suck. How about that? (laughs) The... uh... You know, the thing, one thing that's really been positive to me, and, and, and I know this, you know, there's some people that listen to this and roll their eyes a little bit because who cares if what the players talk like or how they sound or, or, or even what they're saying. Listening, like watching Asante Samuel speak last week and Cyrus Fagan and uh, Isaiah Bolden. And I mean, these guys did not sound like this a year ago. They didn't. They didn't sound confident in what they were doing. They didn't sound like they felt good about what was happening. That defensive side, man, they have completely bought in. Um, and, and I think it's cool to see those guys get the opportunity. Think about it now. Since 2017, if you're an FSU football player, unless maybe you played for Odell the last three or four years, and I'm sure some of the receivers like Ron Dugans personally, I don't know how you could feel good about your experience as a Florida State football the last player the last few years, about the coaching you were getting, the direction of the program. It's been cool. You know, we've gotten a lot of interviews. Corey's pointed that out. We've, the, we're, Mike Norvell lets us talk to all these players. But what's been cool is they're not just ha- – again, they're not happy because they're playing music at practice or they're getting to, to have fun or jokes. They're, they're, they feel good because you could tell that they feel like they're prepared and they believe in what they're doing. That's a big difference. It's a huge yeah, difference. You talking about from last year? Yeah, from the last three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They did know, not believe. At all. And and really, if you go back to, you know, again, the end of Jimbo's tenure. Um, and on defense, really, it goes back for most of, you know, to the, you know, Charles Kelly's tenure as defensive coordinator. I just think that there were a lot of the players that didn't believe. You know, they went from Jeremy Pruitt to Charles Kelly. They didn't buy into him. Um, you know, again, man, like – you can say whatever you want about Dabo. I think people now realize that that's a really good program with a really good coach um, it, it, for what he does. Those players believe in what they're being taught. If you look at Alabama, obviously those players believe in what, if Urban Meyer's coaching a team, those kids are going to believe in what they've taught. This isn't, that hasn't been here in four or five years where Correct. the players really believe it. Yeah. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 Eastman Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wrapping up the hour, it has flown past as we try to set expectation uh, expectations, what's reasonable, what's not reasonable. Uh, I guess at the end of the day, uh, if, if they only lose because they struggle to block it up and because they're limited at quarterback, then I will... Um, 
I'll be satisfied. Uh, I, I'll be satisfied that they are setting the, I believe, Corey, you referenced this also in the article today on Warchant.com, that they're setting the stage for real growth or something to that end, that they're, yeah. that they're you know, that we're going to see something that gives us reason to believe in the following year. And that will be an exciting year. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but hopefully that's a year where there's not, it's not clouded by the uh, ominous, uh, uh, you know, global pandemic that we deal with on a daily basis that year, two years from now. I know we're talking about this upcoming year, but that's what this year is going to do. Set up this glorious time. Don't don't you think though? No matter how no matter how much you believe in this coaching staff, there's going to be some reverting, some rat trapping, as Jimbo used to say, in terms of the buy-in and things like that. To the sense of, while I agree that I think these kids have bought in, if things are going poorly, the things we've saw last year, the year before, the Stanford Samuels throwing up his arms, and you know when when you know <laughs> things like that, like. You're going to see blips, aren't you? I mean, you're going to see instances where those things come back in yeah. a bad in a, in a time of adversity. Those are two kinds of the two kinds of rat trap in there. That's reverting back to an attitude, to a mentality. Yeah. But I don't think we will see that, Ira. I don't. I you don't think, think we'll see. Well, you no, don't think we'll no. see a, just flare-ups here and there where they have to be reminded? No, I think we'll see rat trapping. I think you'll see a player who lacks confidence, who hasn't succeeded consistently, fall back on. Um, a lack of confidence, right? If all of a sudden they get burned or they throw another interception, um, you know, I can see that happening, but I don't, I, I could see that where you'd have to go over there and talk to them and say, Hey, don't listen. It's fine. It's okay. You're not perfect. Nobody is. I don't expect perfection. Continue to stay the course, play the next play, all that stuff that coaches have to do to continue to build confidence. But I don't think you're going to see kids revert to a place where their mentality shifts away from this now shared responsibility and renewed sense of commitment. I don't think we'll see that. What does that even mean, rat trapping? Running in around, relation to you that. Put a, you put a rat in a trap and they just they start they get crazy. They can't they can't find their way out and they start losing it. I thought a rat trap is when it crushed their skulls when they were trying to eat a piece of cheese. No, that's a mouse trap, Corey. Oh, rat trapping is completely different. You let them run no, around. You let them run around. You let them oh. go crazy. You let them go crazy. <laughs> And I always thought with Jimbo, it should have been bat trapping anyway, because he killed a bat in front of us. That's right. That's right. He did. I don't uh, know if we publicized that as much as we probably should have at the time, but hey, he literally he's... took a kicking tee and smashed a bat on the head hey. in the middle of practice. Hey, what if what if that bat had had the Rona and Jimbo saved the, co- the country for about four or five years? Or all the bat's blood squirted on, uh, you know, Derek Mitchell. <laughs> But, and but it started then. But the thing is about that too is that uh, not only did he do that, he did it without thinking, without flinching. And I thought that's a moment of West Virginia. Oh yeah, there yeah. it is. There it is. There's the West Virginia. Every now and then you got it. You're like, there it is. There's the West Virginia in him. Yep. Yeah, if he'd have been in West Virginia, I guess it, he would have he'd have picked up a piece of coal or something. But he was going <laughs> to pick up something close, whatever was close, and kill the bat. Most people kind of run away, like yeah. when Stephanie killed the bat the other week. Yeah. And, ran petrified away jimbo's like all right second eight just smashed it with a t it's like all right let's get back to work the be- the, you're impeding the, our progress back yeah the, <laughs> the best part about it was like we only got like what 15 minutes to be in the open part of practice like when we would get to practice it was like in the beginning of the stretching stuff and so everybody would bring in their phones and videotape. They're constantly videotaping and taking pictures because that's the only access we're going to get. So they're all videotaping him walking over there like, 
oh, Jimbo's going to do something. And then he just squishes the bat, and everybody's like, oh, and like just stop. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, not good. No need for that. No need for that, hey, one, man. Corey, you didn't ask me what I did with the dog. I didn't. Oh, is this, did you hit it with a kicking team? Oh, you ever what a weird, read old, what a weird you ever, segue. You ever read Old Yeller? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we all got to make sacrifices for this show. Hey. Corey, I wanted you to weigh in, though, on the more serious topic that Ira and I were just talking about, and I thought I made a really good point, and then Ira just decided he didn't want to further that point. So, Corey, uh, your thoughts on whether or not they'll revert back to the attitude situations or mindset situations that Ira was talking about, or rather, just a lack of confidence. Yeah, you know, so you're talking about like Akeem Dent against Florida where they score a touchdown, but he knocks the kid down and then stands over him after a touchdown. Uh, I don't think we'll see that. Oh, you don't think that'll play? Okay, let me put that. I think it might. We we must have seen 15, 20 instances of stuff like that last year. Right. I think you might see two. That's what I'm saying. I just think if you see one – I don't think people should say, oh, well, we heard all this stuff about. I mean, that's, that is. Oh, kids are still emotional, but I so, don't here's you the think thing. If that buy in is real and we all think it's real and we really like Adam Fuller, I mean, don't you really think that that's the kind of thing that has been hit over sure. the head for them that you're not going to play? But, yeah, you but, can't, I, but do you think Adam Fuller's even told them? Does he think it's even entered his mind? Like, look, guys, if we're down 26 to nine <laughs> late in the fourth quarter and you happen to make a tackle after a 22 yard gain and it's a hard hit, please don't stand end- up and do X, do the X cross in, with your wrist. In the or, end zone. In the end zone. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know that he's had that conversation with him. No, but I also think this is born out of competition because they have options in a way yeah. they haven't had before. So I can sit your sorry ass, and that sends the message. So it happens once in the Georgia Tech game, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make is they are, there is a lot of depth on that side of the ball in particular. And then you look at uh, even last year, Tamari and Terry, I can't remember. Maybe it was the Louisville game. Yeah, it was the Louisville game. Yeah, The corner just blitzes. So to, and it was right after the Virginia game. Uh, where they had blown a lead. They had blown a 21-point lead in this game. The corner blitzes somehow for no reason. Tamari and Terry's all alone. It's a 60-yard touchdown. Just Hornybrook finds him, walks it in. But as he's running into the end zone, he flashes the peace sign at the four-yard line of the DB. Now, by the rule, letter of rule, that should have been a flag. And they, Florida State should have first and 10 at the 19-yard line. But they let it go. They let it happen, and he scored. And I think that's the stuff that Norvell would absolutely lose his mind on. And... I think there's a chance, and even in a game like that, that Tamori and Terry doesn't get back in the game. Like, that's how serious it is. I, I just I, – too much and, of that kind of stuff was let go. And if and if there is progress being made, it will – he wouldn't get back to the bench area for the coaches to yell at him. Yeah, the, other, the players, other players would be on top of him. And that was something that dawned on me the other day. You know, <laughs> Willie used to talk all the time about wanting – until this is a player-run team, that we're never going to be where we want. It needs to be a player-led team. It doesn't need to be a coach-led team. And I think he's right about that. The problem yeah. the problem was he didn't know how to get the players to become leaders. So he could just, you know, look at them and, it, you know, why aren't you guys leading the team? Why aren't you guys doing – well, they have to be taught how to do that. 
And that's well, where everything broke down. Yeah, you have to lead by example. If you're going to preach discipline, you have to be disciplined in your own life. They have yeah. to see it from you every day. That's different. The theme that we've heard from the get-go is that I'm going to make this very difficult for you. I'm going to ask a lot of you, but I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not doing in my own life. And you're going to know that by the time I arrive to work. And when I leave, you're going to see all my coaches. We're all going to be respectful of your time. We're never going to just take advantage of the fact that we're in control or we have power in this situation. You're going to know why you're doing what you're doing. And, you know, all of this to me adds up to very, very good signs. Again, whether or not they're, they get the record we want, I, I don't know. That's up for debate because I think they're lacking in some areas, especially on that offense where, boy, they're, they're, they're young. And I really – I think that injury at tight end is pretty devastating. So we'll, we'll see. But I, I do think they're going to be a lot – a lot more discipline, well, a lot smarter, a lot more fun to watch. And I think they're going to take pride in their team. Take pride in who you play for because I don't think that's been around here in a good long while. And y'all brought up the accountability. It just flashed me back to a play. I think it was the NC State basketball game. Malik Osborne's a pretty emotional guy. And he had an and one during one. Of the, you know, they went up yeah. there and beat him. They went on like a 20-2 to two run to win the game. And during that run, Malik Osborne had an and one. And he, he screamed because that's what he does. And then he got the ball and slammed it on the ground and bounced it because he was really excited. Now, they didn't call it technical. But you can see Devin Vassell, as soon as that happens, goes over to him. He's like, what are you doing, man? Like, calm down. Because, he, yeah. you know, he was excited for him. But also have some, have some common sense and get a hold of yourself. Don't give them two points. And it has to be that kind of accountability. That, that what Leonard has fostered in that program, if that could transfer over to the football. And Ira's right, like – there's no way that a leader like Marvin Wilson this year, if he sees Tamari and Terry flash deuces at the 10 yard line, he should be over there in the end zone with him. Like, what are you doing? And I, be, you hope that's what happens. Should be noted before we get to headline our questions and start the next hour. That is also one of the dumbest ass rules in all of college football. Absolutely. Dumb I'm not, ass. I, I am with you. I'm with you 100%. And also, Dude. you feel like if they had a little more. I don't know. Fun? Pride in their pro. Fun. No, if they had a little more pride in their program and where they played, they might not go on Twitter and call their coach a liar all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't that's, do it all the time. That's, that's another yeah, development yeah. you're looking at. You're looking to make. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to believe that's true too. Uh, hour number two, forthcoming headliner questions. Hang it. Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next. 